Hi, welcome to SJW Social Justice Weirdos. I'm Charlie McCorn. I use they, them, their pronouns. And I'm Lenny Peppers. She, her, hers. Uh, I'm very excited about today's episode. I am too. I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah. Uh, and before we get into it, we are talking about, we mentioned uh, this person in a previous episode, a little bit of ground ground rules and housekeeping with, with this subject. One, I like to acknowledge and thank uh, the research of Randy A. Riddle, who is sort of the, the expert in Ray Bourbon and has spent decades sort of collecting and piecing together this whole wild story, as well as uh, remastering all of Ray's uh, albums, which in theory are going to be out in a collector's box set here. Uh, he was gracious enough to give me advanced copies of them for some of my uh, graduate research. So everything here came uh, from Randy A. Riddle, whose tireless work has made sure that this story has not disappeared. So check out uh, Randy's website, rayburbon.com, R-A-E bourbon.com. So uh, another thing, too, I want to make sure that I'm not I'm not retroactively applying any identity to someone who maybe not would have had the, the dialogue or the, the language to define it for themselves. So I'm not saying that Ray Bourbon was trans, uh, but I'm also not saying that Ray Bourbon was cis. Uh, I'm, and obviously, you know, there is some gray area between that, as we're going to see in today's episode. So uh, first of all, let's talk about sort of the origins of Ray Bourbon. Ray Bourbon was born in Texas in the late 1800s, educated in England. And it was over in England uh, where they fell in love with the art of drag. So drag has has a long history dating, I mean, back hundreds of years. You can sort of trace the direct line to our, to our modern drag queens of today, like, you know, Priscilla Chambers uh, or, or, uh, or Bitch Pudding. You know, character, famous great characters like that. Uh, as, as World War I was starting to sort of like become an inevitability, Ray got out of England and headed back to Texas and said, well, you know what? I love entertaining. I love being on the stage. I am absolutely going to uh, try to make a go of it in this brand new place where weirdos and entertainers can go called Hollywood, California. So Ray actually uh, heads out. And okay, quick, quick little pause here. There's a lot of things that Ray claimed about their lives that I don't know is true or not. And it's kind of hard to actually find definitive proof of that. One of the biggest parts of this was that Ray, for years, claimed that before they they moved to Los Angeles, uh, they they rode with Mexican revolutionary Pancho Villa in a series of raids in the Mexican Revolution. And even, yes, and even did, uh, like, reconnaissance and spying for Pancho Villa while in drag. Okay, so this is a claim. What do you think? Do you think that that it's plausible? Do you think that that could be true. Well, here's the thing. There is no, like, first-hand evidence supporting this whatsoever. However, in Ray's recounting of this story, there were facts that, that, that they knew that no one could have known unless they were there. Really? There were- yeah. So it's it's that big question. There are other things like this, too. Like, when they got to, to Los Angeles for... For years, they claimed that they had performed uh, as a fire spinner at the opening of of a of a um, some famous like uh, the Los Angeles like Coliseum of Art. And it was like, well, that's nonsense. Until people found photos of them at that opening doing fire dances. What? Yeah, and that's sort of Ray Bourbon's life. All of these crazy stories that just can't be true, and I don't think all of them can be true. 
but some of them definitely are. And so Ray started going uh, in entertainment, uh, got into silent films, was a bit player in a couple of uh, Rudolph Valentino films. Mm-hmm. Like very small roles, but like was acting, was getting out there. Uh, but then something kind of like, you know, serendipity. In the 1930s, there was this movement called the Pansy Craze in entertainment, where openly gay performers and openly gay reviews were kind of like the in thing for straight cis audiences. Mm. Now, the 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 art was accepted, but the performers really weren't. And a lot of performers that were, you know, sort of instrumental to this pansy craze died tragically, tragically young. Ray, however, started developing an act that we would sort of identify now or, or more socially, uh, more consciously, socially that we would more closely associate with with drag and started releasing uh, several re- comedy recordings, stand-up comedy recordings. Comedy, as we both know, as two comedians, has evolved uh, dramatically uh, in, in the, you know, the last century, definitely. So this isn't like what we would imagine stand-up comedy to be now, you know, the introspective kind of like alt-comedy that's sort of in vogue. This was like funny songs, uh, playing characters, and playing a lot of women. Ray played various women uh, throughout their lives uh, in various roles that women would play through their lives, I should say. Uh, went on tour. Ray was arrested multiple times, including a famous uh, raid by the police where, where they were arrested for impersonating a female. They were arrested live on radio one time for this. What? Yep. Charged multiple times with obscenity, uh, with you know, impersonating a, a female. And some of this actually kind of bleeds into Ray's comedy. Uh, in a couple of, of their smaller bits, they have one song, one uh, one track called like "The Raid," which is all talking about like being arrested with a bunch of other queens, and then going to jail, and then getting out scot free because they see the judge and recognize her from a drag club. So, it, that's the song, or is that true? That's um, again, I don't know. The fact is. Definitely arrested multiple times for impersonating a female. Okay, so, like, where in, like, the timeline are we right now? Like We're in the 1930s. Uh, they have another track about attending a gay marriage in Chicago in the 1930s. And this isn't, like, a political, like, we deserve rights to get married. This was more like, hey, I went and saw a couple of fags got married and we all got arrested, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's very sort of mm, kitschy. It's very sly. It's incredibly politically incorrect. It's also in sometimes like shockingly racist. There's one track later on from the 1950s that was probably more in line of what we know as stand-up comedy to be that was pro-segregationist. That's disappointing. It is disappointing. Uh, Ray continued, you know, sort of performing uh, for, you know, 30s, 40s, and 50s, releasing albums all through this time. An openly queer performer releasing albums across decades almost unparalleled in the history of art in this country and then we get to the 1950s here's where things go a little bananas so in the in the last uh one of these that i did hang on one second i have to buckle in for this yes buckle in put my seatbelt on okay i think i'm ready yeah make sure your tray tables are in the upright position so two episodes ago, we talked about the life of Christine Jorgensen, and we mentioned about how, you know, their gender-affirming surgeries was, you know, huge news, made them an international celebrity. So Ray Bourbon, 
in one of the most ingenious bits of, I think, self-promotion I've ever seen from this time period, Ray Bourbon releases a press release saying, stand-up comedian and performer Ray Bourbon has gone to Mexico and has gotten the Christine Jorgensen operation. The, uh, this made Ray a huge celebrity. Now, this is probably just a publicity stunt. However, I can't say for a fact publicity stunt because a few years later in Miami, Ray was arrested for impersonating a man. Person? <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> you can't, you can't like win. You can't. Um, and if Ray had undergone the series of operations in Mexico, uh, she would have been the first person to have this done on the North American continent. Hmm. So Ray, like Christine Jorgensen, becomes a huge celebrity uh, and capitalizes this on releasing the stand-up comedy album called Let Me Tell You About My Operation, which is, again, dated and old. Some of it still hits today. There's a couple of lyrics that still, I think, hit me in, in certain areas, a couple of like, the actual songs that she's doing. So Ray, for the rest of the 50s and into the 60s, is a huge hit, releasing album after album, kind of riding this wave of popularity. Not saying these albums were all good. Some of them Why are... I know that album. Uh, we did an art project on this album, what, like eight months ago? We did. Uh, we we uh, took a bunch of these albums that Ray did and we recreated them. We were inspired by them with me in the role of Ray Bourbon. They're some of my favorite photos of myself. You you always take my favorite photos of me. Ah, uh, it was a blast. Uh, I hope that we can do something like this again sometime. Ooh, maybe we will. <laughs> and so uh, the albums that come after this, very popular. They're not one of them. Uh, one of them, which is is it's like an around the world kind of album. Each track is Ray inhabiting a woman of a different ethnicity which is just as shockingly racist and awful as you can imagine it being. Yeah. There's also an album all about the Old West, which is so incredibly shitty to Native people. And and being shitty to Indians was kind of something that came up a lot in Ray's comedy, which sort of using, the you know, having the reductive stereotypes of the time, not excusing anything, but it's really kind of like shocking... And it was a little hurtful to me when I was first listening to all the records. I'm like, here's someone who does comedy, who plays with gender the way that I do, someone who's claimed trans identity like I do. And and it's just like, mm, shitty and racist in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 1960s, however, were not great for Ray. And part of that came from like the larger like things that happened in culture, is that like, the sexual revolution was in full swing. And so Ray's material that they had been doing for like, almost 30 years by this point was getting tired and kitschy and just not what was like in vogue and kind of like got pushed to the sidelines. Also a lot of like queer liberation groups and gay rights activists kind of threw Ray under a bus of like, we're trying not to be you know, perceived as like mincing, you know, queer mos. We are, we are people, you know, we, we are human beings. We don't need these backward stereotypes defining all of us as a people. Yeah. So that, and then later coupled with the AIDS epidemic, really kind of cut off the cultural knowledge of Ray Bourbon. However, 
Uh, Ray's story kind of continued to get weird and then had a very tragic end, which we're getting into. Uh, they worked with Mae West and they were trying to put together a stage show called Daddy Was a Lady. <laughs> okay. And one thing that Ray collected through their entire life was dogs. Ray had, and the numbers sort of vary because, again, this is, this is Ray talking. We can't quite tell, like, where the level of reality is. Ray had somewhere between 12 and 72 dogs that they would bring along with them on tour in a like big... A dog entourage? Like a dog entourage. Like a dog entourage. Yes. Yeah. And Ray was attempting to get all of them to, to train all of them to pee together in unison for this big stage play. <laughs> Here's where things take a tragic turn. So Ray is driving uh, on tour and their car breaks down and catches on fire. Oh no. They quickly uncouple the trailer carrying potentially dozens of dogs mm-hmm. and get them to safety. Ray is broke at this point. Ray has no money. Ray needs to get to the next show to make that next big paycheck, but can't bring the dogs. She can get on a bus. She can get down that way. Can't bring the dogs. So she goes to a local kennel and says, hey, I got 72 dogs. I need to kennel right now. Yeah. I, I promise you I will be back in two months with all the money to pay them and I'll collect all of my dogs. The owner of this uh, this kennel ends up selling all the dogs to medical experimentation. No! Yes. No! <laughs> that is so awful! It's terrible. It, Ray Bourbon was devastated. And so what Ray does is he, he, uh, he hires a couple of choir boys from the show that he was producing and says, hey... Go rough this guy up rough and find out where my up. dogs are. <laughs> so the two choir boys go to rough this guy up and try to figure out the location of where the dogs are. And they end up beating him to death. Oh. That's... Ray Bourbon is arrested for murder too, for, for murder for hire, and is sentenced to life in prison. That is terrible. That is terrible. They briefly escape. Okay, so now they're on the lamb. They're on the lamb, and they have leukemia at this point. They are dying of cancer. Oh. This they is, like, getting escape. worse and worse. Ooh, I hang thought on. it was bad back at the dogs, but... Ray eventually turns themselves in. Okay. Saying, I have nowhere else to go. Mm. Ray Bourbon would die in prison. And that's kind of where the story kind of ends. Following this into the 1970s, 1980s, we have the AIDS epidemic, which, which you know, we're so far removed away from like that first sort of terrible moment where we, you know, we kind of forget that a whole generation of, of, of gay men and trans women died. And with them, sort of the cultural knowledge and cultural history of performers like Ray Bourbon died with them. Mm-hmm. Coupled with this, you know, the gay rights activist who threw Ray under the bus, Ray kind of gets forgotten. Uh, and I only was able to uh, to run across it. There's a book about the history of uh, comedy called The Comedians by, I'm going to hold it up right now, it's got a cool cover, uh, by by Cliff Nesteroff. And I was reading it uh, for, for a research project, like, oh, maybe I'll write about like the history of comedy, the art of comedy. And there was just one line about Ray Bourbon. 
just one line about like announcing, "Hey, I had the I had the the Christian Jorgensen operation." And it's like my my it's like I was in a car accident. I was just like it just hit me and I was just struck and I almost I basically stopped reading that book cuz I'm like I got to find out more about Ray Bourbon. Mm-hmm. Which led me kind of down a research hole where I was able to 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 get in contact with Randy Riddle uh, of raybourbon.com who has so much more information, photographs, recordings, albums, images of, of Ray in film. And and I was talking to him, I, I interviewed him for this this uh, project that I was researching. And he only came across Ray Bourbon because he found an album in like an old gay bookstore. Wow. And he was also like, what the fuck is this? I mean, someone released a comedy album, a, a openly queer entertainer released a comedy album about sex change operations in the 1950s. That's that's huge. You know, yeah. currently there are a lot of people, uh, dum-dums mostly, who are so concerned that like, oh, well, this is a phase, this is a new thing. And and this doesn't really prove that it's not, but this shows this conversation has been going on for decades in, in media and popular media. And that's kind of the life of of Ray Bourbon. Like that's the, the, the kind of history of it. It's so fascinating and so kind of powerful that, you know, this comedian for decades was releasing openly queer material was doing shows for straight and gay audiences Mm -hmm. and had this incredible life that, you know, brought them into contact with so many of the big movers and the shakers of entertainment in this time but because they were gay and because they kind of hopped back and forth on that fence of gender expression, they're kind of forgotten, which is tragic because that, I mean, there are more stories I'm sure like these that, that are kind of gone, but Ray Bourbon's because of the research of one man, again, Randy Riddle. Thank you, Randy was able to pull this all together. And I am, I'm so grateful both to Randy and to Ray Bourbon, you know, despite the racism and the pro segregationalism and, you know, the distance between it, the, I mean, Ray was someone that lived their life their way mm-hmm. in a time when people can't imagine what that could have been like. The, the idea of, you know, that level of queerness, of that level of gender expression in the, you know, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, into the 60s, when uh, when Ray died, there was this great political cartoon that showed up in a lot of um, gay magazines and uh, like Crossfisher's magazines of the time. And it's just Ray Bourbon, big hair, beautiful dress, just performing in heaven. Mm. And and that's sort of the story. That's that's the sort of the story of Ray Bourbon. I think that's, that's a great place to end it. Yeah. Um, wow, that was a wild ride. Yeah, it's it's astonishing. I've had so much fun researching this and just trying to, you know, as a queer comedian and as one that blends the lines of of gender on stage and as someone who who is trans, this story, though I'm again not ascribing any kind of historical identity or any identity to Ray Bourbon, it was that first second where I'm like, "Oh shit. I'm part of a history. I'm part of a I'm part of a legacy. I'm doing things now." That when people, you know, when I, when I've been able, you know, in before the world fell apart, when I was able to like travel the country performing, the people that I would talk to that were blown away saying like, you're from Montana? Like <laughs> yeah. you, 
this idea of like no one had that understanding of you know Montana and and largely of me, but being able to be the person that sort of brings this forward, the person that, that's able to perform and talk about the things that I do on stage the way that I do on stage, and just remembering that someone did it 80 years before I did, and how much harder that must have been, and you know the lumps that that Ray took and performers like Ray took made it that much easier for people like me to do what I'm doing. And hopefully I'm making it that much easier in my own way for, for whoever comes next myself. And, you know, I've, I've performed with, with trans comedians across the country and there are so many talented, intelligent, incredible people that are doing such amazing comedy right now. Yeah, totally. And we're all kind of in this shadow of this invisible force in our world. This person that made huge changes to our world for people like us doing exactly what we do. And they're kind of unknown, which is tragic. Um, I think that that is a great place to, those are some great words to end this on. I, th- I think so too. Um, again, I'd recommend our listeners check out rayburbon.com, R-A-E-B-O-U-R-B-O-N.com. To get the whole story from a fantastic historian who has done some great work. I would love to hear way more about maybe some specifics in different areas of Ray Bourbon's life. And maybe hopefully have a guest eventually in the future to, you know, talk about this more. Uh, because, I I, yeah, I totally came out of this wanting, <laughs> wanting to like just hear about this like all day. It's same. It it kind of changed my life. Like this research and, and this story kind of changed the trajectory of what I was doing, you know, in, in graduate school and sort of doing in my life. It it really made me consider, you know, what I'm doing. Absolutely. And I love that our area of study in grad school allows us to um, find that trajectory and follow it and you know, the support that they give us there when we want to find out more. Like I ended up the same way, but with tribal critical race theory. And um, I have to say, like, I absolutely love my life as like a comic and doing and an, an academic. And I mean, it's been a blast. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So speaking of uh, Miss Researcher, what are we talking about next week? I am going to talk about ancient Indian burial grounds. I am so excited to do this super spooky episode. Absolutely. And there's some really interesting things like um, Walmarts tend to be built quite a bit on, <laughs> <laughs> on um, burial sites, uh, burial mounds. And, and so, <laughs> there's, you know a little bit of a tidbit to get us through until next week. Well, that's excellent. Uh, Lenny, thank you so much for, for listening to me ramble about Ray Bourbon for half an hour. Oh, I could listen to you ramble about Ray Bourbon all day long. Well, one day soon when we're able to be together again, I probably will. <laughs> uh, well, this has been SJW social justice weirdos and I am Lenny Peppers. I'm Charlie McCorn. And remember the world might be on fire, but you can change it. Just throw a brick. <laughs>